Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Mark. Mm-hmm. I've been saying for years that Ping help you play your best because that is exactly what they've done for me throughout my entire career. And now I've been having a look at the new Blueprint S and T irons, and boy, they are impressive. So much so that I've got the new Blueprint S irons in my bag at the moment. So what do you like about them so much? I mean, I've never seen you this excited about a golf club. Well, I could go through the specs, which are exceptional, but I won't. I will say, though, that if you're looking for more ball speed and if you want to lower your scores, if you want to mix and match and still look great, you should check them out. Because the new Blueprint S and T irons, they are definitely worth a look. Nice. Just book in with your local golf shop or professional to arrange a ping club fitting. Well, isn't this year flying? We are already at week eight of the golfing year. Can you believe that? And as always, we're here thanks to our great friends at Ping. You want to treat yourself? Get a Ping Club fitting from your local golf shop or professional. It is one of the most fun things you can do and one of the best things for your game. And also thanks to the awesome team at the Golf Clearance Outlet. If you haven't checked them out yet, you are missing out. They're in Melbourne, Sydney, Perth and Brisbane or online at golfclearanceoutlet.com.au. Okay, another big show. Strap in. Here's Nick O'Hearn and Mark Allen. This is Talk Birdie to Me. I want to start this podcast by saying, when you hear this voice, hmm? I should be about seven under par at Port <laughs> Arlington Golf Club, well on the way to winning. After how many holes? About 12. Okay. I'm, going get, I'm going to get off to a very good start, Nick. So I should be at seven under through 12. I'll be thinking about my winning speech at that point. Yeah, and that's when it'll all go pear-shaped. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll limp home to shoot 65, I reckon. I noticed you've signed up for the Port Arlington yes. Legends Pro-Am as well. Yeah, well, Mark Hayes reached out, and uh, I couldn't play last year because I had an injured wrist, and I said, Mark, oh, yeah. next year. Next year I'm in, and uh, we're doing it. Uh, very good. How about the, the field? Is having, look, Andre Stoltz, Peter Fowler, Peter Lonard, Nick O'Hearn, Terry Price, uh, Lucian Tinkler, one of the great names. Yes. In what, do you, do you know his nickname? Loosehead Sprinkler. Loosehead Sprinkler. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just a fantastic. <laughs> David Diaz is going to be down there, my old mate, David Diaz. Wow. Marty Doyle, where's he been yeah. the last 50 years? He's been uh, working out at uh, the National, doing a bit of coaching there at Long it? Island. Yeah, yeah. and I, I noticed that David Hill is playing as well. He was the instigator of ambush marketing in golf. So there was a period there where if you found yourself in the last couple of groups at a big tournament, oh, you got your hand up already. <laughs> if you found yourself in the last couple of groups in a big tournament and you weren't uh, contracted to wear a hat yes. of note, then quite often that person would be wearing a crown visor or I, a crown I, hat. I got in a bit of trouble. Uh, with, what happened with that? Because and actually, it was good money. Someone mentioned it on Twitter the other day, and I haven't got back to him. I was going to explain this story. Well, yeah. I'll explain it here. That way, yeah. I don't have to get back to him. But leading the Australian Open after two rounds, and I was wearing a top flight or a Strata hat because I was Strata. using the Strata balls. You were back using then. the Strata the, 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 hat. I remember the Strata. It. Yeah. David Hill came to me and he said, uh, "If you wear a, I think it was a TAB hat or something like yeah. that." You How know, much? We How can much? we can get some cash for you on the side. How much? It was quite a. It was good. It was good. Five, ten. Yeah, it was somewhere in that range. Yeah. And for someone who had, you know got no money at that point, <laughs> I was like, oh yeah. And I actually said to him, I said, oh, the issue, is, and he's the issue is, uh, I'm already got a, a hat. You know, I'm wearing yeah. the strain. He says, no, 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 it'll all be taken care of. And I said, are you sure? And he says, yeah, absolutely. They were not happy because <laughs> they, <weren't> <laughs> they saw me out there with uh, with this hat. I'm going, what, TAB what, on are you, what are you doing? And I was meant to get a bonus, but they wouldn't give me the bonus, understandably, because I wasn't wearing yeah. it on the weekend. So if I'd have put a patch on the side, that would have been okay. But David did assure me. So I might actually have a word with David yeah, when I see yeah, him at yeah, Port Allen. You'll see him tomorrow. But the good thing was, you see, the cash I did get for wearing that cap was much more than the bonus I would have got. <laughs> <laughs> the only one that ever happened to me uh, was... 
at the 1993 Australian Masters, I'd been playing very well, and I wasn't wearing a hat that summer. I just didn't wear a hat. And at the start of the week, this bloke came up to me, and he said, uh, "We've got, uh, I've got a deal for you this week if you're happy to wear this hat. And he showed it to me, and it had Microsoft on it. Remember, it's 1993. Mm. So I'm looking at it and going, oh, yeah? Um, how much? And he goes, uh, uh, it was $10,000 for the week. Or you can have shares in the company. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, hang, hang on. It's ten thousand bucks for the week. Um, it was a five thousand dollar bonus for a top ten and a ten thousand dollar bonus for a top five. I finished fifth by myself, by the way. So I, I'm thinking to myself, okay, uh, this sounds good. Um, uh, what's Microsoft? I said, what is it? A pillow company? Because <laughs> I didn't have a clue. And the bloke who gave it to me, he didn't have a clue. He didn't know. But what they should have done was give me ten thousand dollars worth of shares. Yeah. Imagine that. Oh, Imagine oh. if you didn't. I mean, if you just took a risk. Oh. Yeah, give me the $10,000 worth of Microsoft shares. We wouldn't be sitting here, that's for sure. No, that's, uh, that is for sure. Can you do us a favor, Mark? Uh, this uh, is before or after I shoot 65. Well, it's, it's after. Yeah. Uh, what we'd like to see, and we'd like yours too, Nick, but specifically yours, because mm. you said you're, you're talking a big game here. Yeah. Can you send us your card so we can post on the socials sure. afterwards? I sure. That'd be great. Uh, uh, yeah. Possibly. I, I haven't played in a while. And, uh, <laughs> although I might take more than the half set this time. I might take nine clubs. Yeah, take nine clubs. I'll take nine rather than seven. Nine clubs. You should be able to shoot par with nine I clubs. I should be able to shoot par, yeah. I haven't played in a while, but we'll, we'll give it a go. But you're okay. not the one who's saying you're going to shoot 65. That's what no, Marco's saying. No. So he's the one who I, I reckon will. I like to be understated and then overachieve. Yeah. <laughs> he <laughs> likes to overstate and then underachieve. Yeah. <laughs> I, like the, I like the feel good at some stage. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's talk about Tiger Woods because it's – yeah, any time he comes out, there is excitement. And I don't know about you, Nick, but I thought he was walking as best he has since the car accident. And I also think he was swinging the club as best he had since the car accident. So um, I think he's on schedule to play in mm. two or three majors this year, which will be fantastic for golf. Yeah, he just needs to get rid of the flu and the back spasms, which apparently cause a shank. So. Oh, wasn't that absolute garbage? I mean, I couldn't believe it. He did an interview afterwards, and the lady was – what's her name? I always oh, forget her uh, name. Amanda Balionis. That's her. Thank you. Brenner. So Amanda uh, asked Tiger about the shank, and he said, oh, that was a back spasm. Mm. Like, quick as that. Bang. It was a back spasm. <laughs> But well, I don't know about that. That goes to show the mind of Tiger Woods, yeah. by the way, because yeah. it, it will never, it will never be an issue with him. He's he's never going to hit a bad shot like that. It's the same with Jack Nicklaus back in the day, yeah. where someone asked him at a conference. You know, there was the old story where yeah. Jack used to say, "I have never three putted That's the right. final hole of a golf tournament." And the some guy was stood up about Turnbury. It was, was at it? Turnbury, him and Tom Watson. It was about that ah, one. Okay. I think, and I think it was even he'd never missed a three footer coming down the stretch, yeah. but he did yeah. at Turnbury somewhere or something like that. Yeah. And and a guy stood up and says, "Mr. Nicholas, I distinctly remember you missing." this part at this yeah. tournament etc and jack goes no i never did and the guy said no seriously you did and jack says no uh, never uh, did and someone came up to the guy afterwards saying why wouldn't jack admit that and he said well hang on he's the greatest player of all time why is he going to admit that when you're asking him yeah. to say that he's missed a short putt it's ridiculous yeah anyway so i, I think that goes to you know the, the old uh, there's a beautiful old saying in golf no matter how damning the evidence is great putters will always believe that mm -hmm. they are great putters. And it's as simple as that. It's a belief thing. Anyway. Um, well, well the, the, other, the other thing with Tiger, I was going to say, and I wanted to get your opinion on the Sunday Red clothing line that came out. Yeah. And you sent me a text saying, I've spotted a hoodie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I saw the range. And after last week, I, I, I'd, se I'd seen enough hoodies. Yeah. I mean, we saw that many hoodies in Phoenix. It wasn't funny. Caddies, players, crazy people sliding down hills, drunks. The whole lot. Everyone was wearing a hoodie in yeah. Phoenix. And I thought, oh, I think I even said last week, I mean, we need Tiger back out there to show everybody how to dress. And the first look I got at his catalogue, <laughs> one, two, three, the third item was a hoodie. I just couldn't mm. believe it. Anyway, I'm, I'm glad he didn't wear a hoodie um, at Riviera. I'm glad he didn't. Um, jury's still out. still a bit early, but I was reasonably happy. And and uh, I was also happier with Jason Day's mob, Mel Bond. Mm. That looked a lot better too. I think week one, it was ridiculous. Week two, I think they're getting it right. Yeah, I saw, I saw him play the final round and, and I didn't actually even notice the clothing. Whereas yeah. before, I was noticing it going, oh, this doesn't look yeah. too good. But yeah. when you don't notice, that's a good thing. But the other thing that happened was the Spieth DQ. Yeah. You Have that? you ever done that? 
signed a wrong scorecard? Yeah. Mm, not from memory. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, one of those, no, I've never have, yeah. and I probably have. Well, <laughs> well, the recording area definition has changed because yeah. I've signed a wrong scorecard and they came and found me in the clubhouse. Okay. And they said, hey, yeah. come here. It was Trevor Hurden. It's hey. definitely changed because when I was on tour, as soon as you leave the scoring area, there's like a, a line that you cross, then you're done. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. So when I did it in the 90s, um, they, they, you know, they came searching for me. Mm. And, uh, you know, the only way that you could kind of get it wrong back in those days is if you left the grounds of the course. If, they, if you were still around... Then they'd come over and say, "Hey, listen, can you just fix this three yeah. and, and make it a four, please?" And then sign yeah. the card again. And and they made it great, which was good because, you know, we had who was the uh, the Vinci uh, who did the Masters? Di Vincenzo. Di Vincenzo won the U.S. Masters and then got disqualified from the U.S. Masters. Did he get disqualified, or was it? Did he just get the number? Then he came second. Mm, something like that. I can't remember yeah. exactly. But but Spieth the other day he signed for a par on a hole where he had a bogey. It was yeah. par three, maybe the fourth hole. Apparently he double bogeyed the last, and he needed to go to the lure. You know, and at that mm. stage when you have a double at the last, you're going ah whatever, and just sign it yeah. and go because you're obviously pretty pissed off. Had to get run to the loo, and then obviously when he went outside the scoring area, he was done. It's a yeah. shame because it would have been good to have him there on the weekend. Can you remember the – had a cut, by the way. Yeah. It was a top 70 – sorry, only 70 players, uh, elevated event or signature event as they call it. Top 50 cut? Top 50 cut. Yeah, so I like it. Tiger still wanted the cut in the uh, signature I event. reckon it's really important. Mm. I, I think cut a cut in golf is very important. For sure. It makes it better. It gives you a little bit of drama on Friday. You know, JT playing with Tiger missed the cut. It was funny. I saw Tiger talking about it after the first round. He's, you know, apparently they were really mouthing at each other. Really? Both of them. Okay. In a friendly way or? No, no. Just, you know, yeah, well, you know, friendly, aggressive. Okay. Um, trash talking. Yeah, trash yeah. talking to each other. Yeah, well, they yeah, always do. That, yeah, they so. always do, but yeah. didn't seem to help much. No. <laughs> no. Tiger was playing really bad. I mean, he was sick and he had back spasms. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but JT didn't help him one lick. Not one lick, no. missed the cut. So you ended up, you had JT miss the cut. Um, Spieth got disqualified and Tiger, Tiger. retired hurt. Yeah, and Nick, Three. Nick Dunlap missed the cut as well, the new amateur turn pro. Tom Kim almost missed his tea time on the final round. I saw that, yeah. He made it just in the nick of time where he's on the putting green and lost track of time and he's near the clubhouse. Yeah. So he just had to he had to bolt to the first tee. Just going back to the Masters with uh, Di Vincenzo who uh, signed an incorrect scorecard. Can you remember his quote after doing it? Because he was oh, yeah. uh, from South America. Mm. Where is he, Argentina? I'm a stupid... I yeah. think was his quote. <laughs> what a stupid I am. What a stupid I am. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Nick. Very, I'm very in, good. I'm here for you, Mark. Uh, now, the shanks. Uh, <laughs> I just want to talk about them because uh, there are a lot of people who maybe get the shanks. In it's fact, not, It's not the masterclass. I'm not doing it on no, that. No, no, no. <laughs> but I do want to talk about it because there's nothing worse than when you have the shanks. I remember when I was a kid, I had 100 balls in my shag bag and I reckon one day out the front of East Doncaster, there's a Zerbys Reserve. I shanked 97 of those 100. <laughs> and I was in tears. And from that, I learnt that if you set up on your heels and then you start swinging and you move your weight to where they should be, which is kind of the balls of the feet, your whole body moves closer to the ball. And there are some crazy things of why people shank. You know, you come from the inside, you come from the outside. Mm. I don't think they're right. I think it's actually when you do start on the heels and you move your weight to the toes, <coughs> it just brings the shank in play. Yep. So if you do have a rotten case of the shanks, check your footwork out. At a dress, it's very, very important. Yeah, I like it. And the shot Tiger hit after his shank. I mean, that's always oh. the hardest shot is the next one. Yeah. Right. After Hardest yeah. shot after a what shank a is shot. the next one. And he had to hit a little low-hooking eight iron between two trees. It was a wonderful shot. It was a sensational yeah. shot. Hey, Riviera. What, I mean, I, I, it, it's I, I've never been there, but everyone talks about it like it's the best golf course in Southern mm. California when you when they're doing the commentary. You've played it a number of times. I have, yep. What do you reckon? When I first got there, I thought, yeah, I'm going to love this place. But I freaking hate it. <laughs> 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 and the only reason I say that, it is it is a really good golf course. Uh, it's Kaikuyu all yeah. the way around. Um, yeah. Power Greens. So yeah. it's, it's pretty tricky and yeah. spongy, but it just plays so long. 
It's a really, it's kind of, it reminds me of Spyglass in that way that it's a, not a long course, but it plays long. Right. Some uphill, you know, tee shots, like 18 plays a bit longer for me. And being a yeah. shorter hitter, don't get a lot of run typically back when I was playing. I know I got really sick one year and I had to pull out because I had some sort of virus. Um, I might have made the cut once or twice, but I always found it a real grind. And the opening hole is a bit of a strange one. It's yeah. like a long par four, really, but it's a par five. And you can get off to a great start there, but you can. I've also maybe hit a couple of wides off that first two. Have which, you really? Because it looks like a tiny little yeah, landing strip. There's out of bounds left. You don't want to, you know, so you, I tended to hit it right if I was fearing something. I went the opposite direction. But um, yeah, it's an interesting golf course. And then the greens, what I found, especially on the par fours early in that back nine, maybe 12, 13, around that sort of part, 14, 15, was. They're a bit upside down saucerish, and I was always hitting longer clubs into them, and it was just really hard to hold the green. And then it would mm. funnel off into these awful thick kaikuyu lies, and it just drove me nuts a little yeah, bit, okay. to be honest. Had a funky hole, um, like the sixth, where they've got the bunker in the middle of the green. Yeah, I want to play that hole. I want to go there and look at it. Yeah, I saw a guy have to chip over it the other day who was leading the, was he leading the tournament, or I don't know, he opened the blade up and ended up. Hitting a nice little chip, actually. Take a divot? Was, could have he, been Luke List. Did he know. take a divot? Yeah, he took the little divot and he had to repair it and all that. But, you know, look, if you put a bunker in the middle of the green, if you're a superintendent, you yeah. got to expect to find divots in that green at some point because yeah, yeah. I never had to chip over it. But, um, yeah, it was a bit of a funky sort of thing. Just quickly, I know we're going to talk about the Ping Global results, but mm. Hideki's final round, oh. birdies 1, 2, 3, birdies 10, 11, 12. Correct. Birdies 15, 16, 17. <laughs> I've never seen a round like that. And it's funny, you know, when you do it that way, it makes a nine under par seem really simple. Just have three little runs. Yeah. No, it was incredible. It was uh, – well, you can at that golf course, I think. You know, one, one, you've got the birdie. You've yeah. got the birdie. Although two and three aren't that easy. He chipped in on two. Did he? Yeah, he okay. chipped in on two. Well, three's a short four. Yeah. Four's, four was a long par three, which Ben Hogan apparently called the best par three in America. I, I, I watched that hole. How shocking, do you, shocking how, golf hole. How do you stop? I mean, uh, yeah. they. I think they had Luke List and Cantlay in round three. I, I watched them play it. They were the only pair to both knock it on mm. that hole. And, and hold and, it. And hold the green. Very, very difficult. Ooh. That's the hotline, guys. Oh, oh, I don't. Should cool. we just grab this? Yeah, let's sure. take a call. Hello. This is El Chapo. El Chapo. How you going, Nick and Marco? Mate, we're very well. Very good, thank you. Really enjoying the podcast. Yeah, okay. A really good blend of information and entertainment, which is a tough balance, I guess. Good on you, El Chapo. Why do they call you El Chapo? I, I can't tell you that. But right. I'm going to ask you a question I'm hoping that you can answer. Right. Uh, no, Marco and I met um, briefly a couple of years ago Um unusually not on the golf course, on the tennis court where our sons are playing tennis against each other. Right. But my question, and you have been intentionally coy about this subject, with regards to the Huntingdale 7, hey. aside from yourself, can you confirm or deny that one of the other Huntingdale 7 had a surname Jones? <sighs> See, I don't like to speak about the Huntingdale 7 like, like flippantly. Because it's something that is so deep in my soul. You've signed a DNA for it. I cannot. NDA. (laughs) I cannot talk about it without some kind of notice. So you've got me off. Off, off balance here a little bit, El Chapo. He's looking very nervous, Nick. <laughs> He's breaking privilege here, I think. Look, the, I can tell you this. The Huntingdale 7 contained a couple of Allens. Contained... No, I can't even say his name. <laughs> did, it, did it contain a Jones? Did it contain a Jones? Yes, it did, El Chapo. It did contain a Jones. Who may or may not be island-based at the moment. That is correct. Yes, he, uh, Yes, yes, yes. You know exactly who I'm talking about. I do. He's down at King Island running one of the golf courses down there, and that's as much information as I'll give. <laughs> I was there last week. You were there? How was it? Uh, Cape Wickham on the on the Wednesday shot 79, was happy with that, and then Ocean Dunes put me to the sword. 
Yeah. What about the weather? Were they good weather or did you get a get a shocker? It was absolutely superb. Oh, half your luck, El Chapo. Absolutely. Right, well, well, say hello to Mr. James for me. And um, oh well, thank you. Um, there you go, Nico. Half of, part of the cat is out of the bag now. Let's uh, never speak of the Huntingdale Seven ever again. Good work, thank you. you. Don't mind, El Chapo. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, mate. I wasn't expecting that. At all. Well, that's what you get on the hotline. When the hotline rings, you've got to go with it. You he's, know? He started sweating. Uh, now, Nick, uh, earlier in the week, uh, I sent you a theory. I sent you a theory by somebody I trust in golf and uh, somebody who is in the know, and that theory was that now that the Fenway group is in, uh, in, uh, in cahoots with the PGA Tour, that one of the options for the Saudis is is to get in cahoots with the DP World Tour. Uh, and when I read all the reasoning, it did seem to make sense to me. Mm. How would you feel that would go over if the Fenway group looked after one mob who didn't want to travel <laughs> and the uh, Saudis looked after everybody else who was keen to travel? Yeah, that's an interesting... I saw the text you sent me. I didn't read all the reasons, but when I started thinking about it, it reminded me of a conversation I had with a buddy of mine who was over for the Australian Open, a co-sanctioned event yep. uh, before Christmas. Good mate of mine for many years, and we started discussing, obviously, everything going on with Liv, the PIF and all that, and he said to me, I couldn't believe we didn't go with with the with, with the PIF, basically. Yeah. Our DP World Tour didn't align with them and all of a sudden create this massive... Uh, tour that would compete against and maybe even overtake the uh, PGA Tour in America. So it's definitely still there. Uh, who was the commissioner, Keith Pelly? Keith Pelly, yeah. Is, has he gone now or is he still there? Uh, he's thereabouts. He might yeah. be in a different role. Maybe, okay. He may well be in a different role. Mm. Maybe uh, a board-related role is yeah. the way I remember it. Uh, I, but that could, you know, you feel free to correct me, folks, mm. if I've got that wrong. Because I have a feeling when all that whole discussion first came up and my buddy said to me, we didn't even really, we weren't consulted. Like, no one asked us about it. And if the yeah. players had got involved, I think they might have taken that deal. Yeah. Mm. Okay, so I'm going to I'm going to get in the Saudi camp just for a second, okay, and um, know what they want to do in the world of golf. If I, was, if I was in charge of the $800 billion fund to look after the interests of Saudi Arabia... I wanted to play a little bit of dirty pool. If all of the American elevated events went up to 25 million US, I'm making my own little changes to the DP World Tour, and my events are going to be worth 45 million. <laughs> I wouldn't mess around. I would go, okay, this year we're going to play these big events, you know, mm-hmm. the biggest ones that they've got over there, the German Open, the the, the, the PGA at Wentworth, uh, the European Open, this, just just pick and choose. The Australian Open, for argument's sake, um, get Japan involved. I would create the DP World Tour Grand Prix just to stick it in their <laughs> ear. That's what I would do. I'm going to start calling him Yasser Allen. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'd do. I'd say, okay, no worries. You guys stay over there. We're going to do this, and we're going to have a Grand Prix circuit, and we're going to be playing for 45 million US 15 times a year. How do you like them, <laughs> I wonder what would happen. I mean, with $800 billion, it is a drop of the ocean, mm. a drop in the ocean to do that. Now, my question to you, would that be appealing enough to some of the other American players to perhaps change where the biggest and the best tournaments are and maybe we see some younger Americans leave for Europe yeah, and to play around the rest of the world when not, this is in the background. Yeah. Not the top guys, for sure, but the next step down. That's right. That could certainly be a reality. Yeah, um, and, the and issue, Corn the, Ferry Tour players, oh, for instance. Of course, yeah. The, the, the DP World Tour, I don't know how deep they are in with the PGA Tour in this strategic alliance, as they call it, because they, remember they've, what do they, co-sanctioned the Scottish yep. Open and, yep. and a couple others. Yep. So that's the first point where you go, okay, how far in the weeds are we there? Can we then all of a sudden get out of that and go down yeah. the PIF route? So yeah. So, so think about it. I mean, if 
You, how many tournaments you got? You got the Open, you got the Scottish, you got the Irish, mm. you got the English. Uh, yeah, you got, you the, got Brit- the, the PGA. Yeah, British Masters. British Masters. BMW International. The BMW, that's the German one, right? German one. Yeah, BMW. Um, you got the Aussie. Yeah, you got the Spanish Open as well. You got the Spanish. That's a great event. South have African. A, South African. Yep. Have a look at our... Oh, I know. Have a look at our Grand Prix circuit yep. all of a sudden. And we got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And There's then, an even ten. Well, you got Dubai and those ones as well. Oh, you Hello. got Dubai. <laughs> you got... So let, let's say there's 15. And let's say they go, righto... They're all worth forty to forty-five million US. <laughs> I know where I'm playing. Sure. I mean, I, I know Americans will have a very different point of view, but my goodness, all of a sudden, and, and if that happened, then hopefully, you know, some of the magic happens and our smaller events become part of the Challenge Tour mm. and blah 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 blah. Yeah. It just goes on and on and on. Yeah. But that's me. That's mm. me with, you know, a little bit of you know what on the liver. Mm-hmm. And I'm Yasser, and I'm going, all right, you always don't want to play ball? Let's do this. And then you'll have DJ, you have Brooks, you have all these guys, you have Ram. You know, and all of a sudden, they headline this new look DP World Tour. Mm-hmm. I know it rips the fabric apart. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not what I would do if I had the keys to the whole thing. I'd merge it. But, yeah, well, like what Rory's yeah, talking about at the moment. That's with right. The, uh, the World Tour, and he'd love to see it function like the Champions League in, in football and yeah. then the other tours feed up into it so the PGA tour would, would become a feeder tour basically yeah. and, and then you could maybe you know have some of their live events in the middle of it all maybe yeah. a smaller mm. there's six of them you know just pick pick and choose the best ones the six best live events and you keep them the one side because I think they're important the teams and everything else blah 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 but that's what I'd do if I was angry and I was in <laughs> control of an 800 billion dollar fund Watch this space. Well, I'm not saying that because it's my idea. I'm, it's someone I've, I've yeah. pinched somebody's <laughs> idea, folks. So don't think I'm that clever. But after seeing that email, like I sh- the, the one I sent you, mm. I'll have to read it further. Yeah, go, go and have a look at it because everything in that email makes a great deal of sense. Okay. Did you see the uh, voicemail go off a second ago? Yeah, I did. Perfect. I heard the noise. Should we check it out? Yes, please. You have one new voicemail. New message. Hi guys, Fan Dunleavy. Watching the coverage you guys did at um, Hunter Valley today was magnificent and fabulous coverage and commentary. One question though, being a caddy for a lot of years on European, US and Australian tours, I witnessed today Geoffrey Guam's caddy wearing golf shoes. Never in my 30 years have I ever been allowed to wear golf shoes, spikes or anything. He had a pair of Footjoy Premium Series, Green Stripe, which means they have spikes. We've always been told you have to have, be wearing flat shoes. Is that any different to Woozy with his 15 club, or is that just an oversight? Love to know your opinion and even get Simon Podolsky on to, or your guy with the rules. Is a caddy allowed to wear spikes? In my time, I've never been allowed to. Cheers. Righto, Fern. Interesting pickup. And now that you mention it, I remember. Guan's really? Caddy. Okay. Yeah. I didn't see it. But that is one heck of a question. I yeah. don't know. Well, I remember when I was a kid, you weren't even allowed to wear ripple sole yeah. shoes once upon a time, which is just ridiculous when you think back to that. I wasn't sure if it was actual rule or more just a etiquette sort of thing where, look, caddies shouldn't wear them. Yeah. But there might have been a bylaw or a rule. I don't know. Well, I know this. If I was playing in the group behind a caddy who was wearing soft spikes and he was going to the hole, and I wouldn't be wrapped with that. Mm. Let's, let, why don't we call Stu, and, and he will know. Yep. Our mate Stewie will know. So let's get on to him. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Now, if you haven't checked out the Golf Clearance Outlet, then you, I can guarantee you this, are missing out. And if you have, well, you know what we're talking about. 
Great time to drop in because with all the new equipment released in January, good old Sam at the Golf Clearance Outlet is licking his lips because the stores are chock full of 2023 branded clearance product. And you know that was a hell of a year for golf equipment, Nick. You're spot on there, Mark. There's heaps of gear for righties, of course. But as you know, I am a lefty, so there's a heap of gear for lefties Mm. as well. And plenty for both men and women. And... If you're after a great Prezi idea, you can get gift cards in-store or online. So if you're looking for great golf gear and great prices, the Golf Clearance Outlet needs to be in your plans to go and check it out. See the team in-store at Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane and Perth or online golfclearanceoutlet.com.au. It's that simple, Nick. Can't wait. Hang on, hang on, Nick. I thought you were righty putting now. Oh, that's right. I forgot. (laughs) (laughs) Mark, you are all across Watch My Numbers. You are all over this like a rash. It does look pretty impressive. Look, one of the things I missed from my career that Nick enjoyed was having stats available. I never got it except, of course, for Sand Saves where I was number one. But I never got the look at how close I was hitting my five irons, where my miss was with my driver. I never got it. And it was always just in my head. I didn't actually know the facts. And with Watch My Numbers, it's no longer a feel thing. It is a factual guide to what you are doing in the game. And Nick, Mm. you knew how powerful that was playing in the US Tour. Yeah, we had what was called ShotLink over there, but I wish I'd have had this sort of an app for myself because weirdly, I was very much a field player and I kind of stayed away from the statistics. But looking back, if I'd have had this, who knows? So it's got the pro level. It's got the elite level. It's got the low handicapper, the high handicapper. It covers everybody and your stats will be assessed at your level and you'll be pushed into the right direction because of the watch my numbers app it's a beauty folks and i highly highly recommend it i was on it the other day and uh, subscribers get extra bonus content including videos from you mark doing some stuff as well. <laughs> why are you laughing man? <laughs> why are you laughing hey by the way do you do it during or the round or after either way oh really yeah you can do it right there and then or you finish your round and you put your own data in so nice. you might have had a 150 meter seven iron on the third hole at metropolitan golf club put where you hit it from you mark where it went to and then you've got the real-time data at your fingertips anytime you want from that point forward. Watch My Numbers helps you master your game and play smarter by using data. If you're enjoying the podcast, make sure to subscribe and never miss an episode. And maybe share it with a friend. Now back to Nick O'Hearn and Mark Allen. This is Talk Birdie to me. A big uh, thank you to the Golf Clearance Outlet who are now back on board, signed up for even more Talk Birdie to me. So a big, big thank you to Sam. He is absolutely killing it. And you should look him up, thegolfclearanceoutlet.com.au. They're absolutely everywhere right around this big, beautiful country. And our good friends at Ping too. The Ping Global results are coming up soon. And in fact, I do believe we might even have a bit of bonus content uh, coming out on Thursday. Yeah, Matt Austin from Ping, who's going to talk through uh, Ross's email that we tried to get on the phone last week, remember? That's uh, right. We couldn't get him. So yep. let's do a bonus pod with him this week and have a chat to him about, about what that means and how often you should update your clubs. I'll only do it if Nick doesn't gush over all the Ping equipment because I've just got a feeling it's going to be a big infomercial. <laughs> Fried, but look at you. Well, how are your clubs going? Hey, are they any good? The uh, newies? They've taught me how to play my best. Very nice. Well done. Now, we had that uh, voicemail a moment ago from Fian who, uh, who spotted something in the Hunter Valley at the weekend. That's right. A caddy wearing golf shoes and mm. soft spiked golf shoes. And by the way, they were beautiful Footjoy golf shoes that Nick and I both wear. But they do grip the best of all those golf shoes out there. These ones with the soft spikes, they are the tidiest. You never slip. I want to know the. I want to know the rule. Yep. Are caddies allowed to wear golf shoes on tour? Let's right. get Stuart McPhee on. What he doesn't know about rules isn't worth knowing. That's a good point. True. So that's a good point. Let's go right to the source. He's good at emails too. Yes. He sends some beauties through sent, to Nick and I privately. Sent me a very detailed one the other day. It Did was he? Great. Explain it all. Hello, Stuart. It's uh, Mark and Nick from Talk Birdie to me. Hey, Stuart. Hey guys. How are you going? We're very well. Very well. Uh, one of our listeners, Fian watched what was happening at uh, the WebEx 
uh, player series Hunter Valley on the weekend and noticed that Jeffrey Guan's caddy was wearing Footjoy golf shoes. He asked whether it was okay. Now, he has a history of caddying all over the world, and he was always told that caddies were not allowed to wear golf shoes. I can remember the golf shoes being worn. Have we missed something, Stuart? <laughs> um, I guess the first thing to note is it's definitely not a rule of golf. It would be a tour requirement. And I know on the Challenger PGA Tour of Australasia, it's a requirement of the members on the tour that their caddies do not wear golf shoes of any description, whether they are, whether they have spikes or not. Um, it's just a requirement of their members. Um, it's just simply to minimise, obviously, any you know, reduce any possible damage on the putting green. Um, it's not something we jump all over and there's penalties attached and everything. It's just a requirement of the members. And, you know, if we saw someone doing it, we would say something. Um, yeah, it's not uncommon on tours, uh, but it's certainly not a rule of golf. Righto. Hmm. So young Jeffrey Guam's just going to get a slap on the wrist. He's not going to get a $2,000 fine or anything, is he? <laughs> no, no, no. So, you know, if it was in tournament play and we saw a caddy, you know, wearing golf shoes, we'd just simply ask them to change shoes. And if they said, oh, look, I, this is the only pair I've got or something, we'd go, that's fine, just please don't walk on the greens. Just uh, just stay away from those, walk everywhere else, but not on the greens. Um, yeah. You know, the course was pretty soft the other day as well, so I guess uh, <laughs> no one picked it up and it was fine. And I was just wondering if his, if his what, fifth place finish went to seventh or eighth with a couple of shot penalties, <laughs> no, but I guess not. No, definitely not a rule of golf. And wouldn't that be unfortunate if that happened? Yeah. I, I just, well, so I did watch the coverage, you guys, the last two hours, and I commend the guys on the PGA Tour and everyone else there to actually get that event finished given the conditions. I thought they did a fantastic job. No, they always do, Stu, and you're a big part of it, and we appreciate uh, you picking up the phone every time we give yeah. you a call. Thank you. Hey, Mark, I heard you and Nick talking about, uh, you called him King Kazuba in a recent episode. You were talking about time spent practising with putting and the short game. Yeah. I just wanted to say that I thought, Mark, you'd like to know that I played at the Furrows last Friday morning yeah. at uh, Kingston Heath. What a treat. What a great addition to an already world-class golf club, and I thought... You would do very well to throw a bucket of balls off every green there and practice getting up and down because the greens there were very, very challenging. And I thought it was a treat just to play those nine holes. The par three course called the Furrows. I well, thought it was terrific. You're a very good judge because uh, the good young players who uh, you know dream about being superstars, they're, they're all practicing down there and they're doing exactly that. They, they hit two or three balls around. Uh, they might knock the putts in and then they keep on uh, throwing the balls around and just try and get up and down from absolutely everywhere. Good on you, Stuart. And, of course, your podcast, Golf Rules Questions, is a beauty and we encourage all our listeners to go across and have a listen to Stuart McPhee. Thanks, Mark. I appreciate that. Thanks, Stuart. Good on you. Stuart McPhee there, he is a good man and you'll see him giving all kinds of rules, decisions every single weekend. Top five, top five, top five. Rightio. Now, on the back of... Hideki Matsuyama brilliantly winning at Riviera. I'm not sure how I'm going to say this without sounding like I'm saying the wrong thing. But I'm going to put together my top five most memorable Asian professional moments, men's, in the history of golf. Okay. All righty. Hmm. This could be an interesting so, list. There's no stereotypes here. We're a stereotype-free place. So don't write in. Thank okay. you. <laughs> Couldn't be bothered with it all. Oh, At number five, Asayo Aoki, holding a wedge on the 72nd hole in Hawaii. I forget who he beat. Yeah, but a still, good question. that was a magnificent yeah. moment. Early 80s, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. 82? I, 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 I remember seeing a story on it. The poor fella, he'd never won. <laughs> he'd never won on tour. And he had a one-shot lead. So, wow. you know, he's got dreams of going to yeah. Augusta and, you know, getting everything that comes with a win on tour. And he is there watching it say, oh, hold that wedge on the last. Well, you could almost do a top five in who has holed a winning shot on the final hole. And there's one other player on the men's side I can think of and one on the female side. Can you think of them? Well, I reckon Kari Webb yes. hold a shot on the 72nd. Yep, that's one. I reckon uh, Gomez There you go. Hold one to beat Greg, uh, to Norman, beat Greg Norman, Norman at Bay Hill. They're the two I'm thinking yeah. of. I reckon Bob Tway didn't hold a full shot. No, just a no I'm shot. talking about yeah, a full you're shot talking about full shots, for yeah. Eagle. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Uh, and Larry Myers in the playoffs. Got a bit side got to be full shots. Um, at number four, 
This name is a blast from the past. And it's not for something good he did. It's for something bad. Ooh. T.C. Chen. <laughs> leading a US Open and then did a double hit, made eight. And See, I'm not sure we saw T.C. Chen ever again. No. And the funny thing is, if he'd have done that nowadays, it would have only been one shot and not two. Yeah, that's right. Because they changed the rule. It's just one stroke. That's right. Just one stroke. At number three, British Open with Lee Trevino. Lee Trevino won the tournament, but Mr. Lou was the star of the tournament. And just the way that uh, he took hitting a bad shot. You remember, he snap-hooked he snap hooked a shot. I reckon he hit a spectator as well. And he was, you know, looked like he was going to faint. And mm. you know, it, was a, it was drama at his absolute best. So Mr. Lou, just because I liked him. Yeah. Uh, at number two, he won a major mm-hmm. and became the first player to come from behind and beat Tiger Woods. His name is Y. E. Yang. Oh, that was incredible. And remember, he held up the tailor-made bag on he the seventy-second yes. hole. He was so happy. Yeah, he hit a hybrid to the last. Oh. It was a spectacular shot. I remember that as well. But the number one moment in Asian male professional golf: Hideki Matsuyama winning the U.S. Yep. Masters. Yeah, huge. And his caddy. Yeah, that was big too. Uh, Shoda, I think his name was. He went out on the green afterwards and took the flag out and did a little bow. Did the took bow. the hat off. That yeah. was so gorgeous. So gorgeous, gorgeous brilliant. stuff. Well, we'll get more of that right now in the Ping Global Results. Okay, the Ping Global results this week. Had a few tournaments going on around the world and here in Australia, but we'll start with Hideki Matsuyama's fantastic win, shooting 69 in the final round, nine under par. He almost tied the course record, had a good stab at it on the last on that final putt. He becomes the most winningest Asian golfer on PGA Tour history, just overtook KJ Choi. I was wondering if KJ was going to make that list of yours. but uh, well, Normally, I, I won a lot of money on KJ Choi, but mm. uh, I didn't really have a spot for him in my top five <laughs> favourite Yeah, moments. but Luke List was really going hard early. He was five under through seven. I think he made yeah. six threes in the first seven holes and was looking like he was going to run away with it. Yeah. But he finished in a tie for second with Will Zalatoris. Great to see him back Yes, and can as I, well. Can I say thank you, Will, for I know you're using the long putter, and we know why you're using the long putter, but thank you for using the long putter mm. in a manner where we do not question you using the long putter. It's well, his top hand Long is miles away. away from his chest, yeah. and I appreciate that. Yeah. We all do. And he looks really good outside of three feet. Everything mm. looks great. As soon as he gets three feet and in, he starts hitting them out the toe again, but he's yeah. got one of these new lab putters, I think it's called, yeah. and it uh, doesn't seem to affect it at all. But yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting stroke still. And the other guy, I mean, if he ever putts well, he's going to win every tournament. Scotty Scheffler, 51 players made the cut. Yeah. He was 51st in putting. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And he still finished, I don't know, I think he was top 10 or 15 or something like that. It's crazy. Just on that Luke list, in these last five years, I heard the stat they were talking about. He hasn't finished inside the top 164 of putting on that tour. This week, he was seventh. Yeah. And he was, he was going to win. He's an absolute flusher. I mean, it just shows yeah. you, doesn't it? Just putting, putting is so important if you want to be yeah. a PGA Tour consistent winner. Most definitely. Of the Aussies, uh, Jason Day had a good week. Top 10, he finished ninth. Uh, Adam Scott, who got an invite from his mate Tiger mm. to play because he wasn't actually in yeah. the field, finished tied for 19th. I saw his tan jumper got a good run this week. Oh, he loves the He's tan. He's back in business the Browns. Yeah. Mm. And Cam Davis finished in 49th position. So... A great week there. He was tied for Riviera. second after round one, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he had a good first day. Yeah, him good and Jason day. day were one back. Mm. Uh, on the Asian tour, they were playing the Malaysian Open at the Mines Resort and Golf Club. And the Spaniard, David Puig, who plays for the Fireballs in He's the Liv. He's a good Liv. player, he? Good yeah. player, yeah, 22-year-old. He had a two-shot win, his second in four months on the Asian tour. Back-to-back 62s on the weekend. Nice. Made the cut on the number. Hmm. And shoots, what's that, uh, nine under both days. And he yeah. had, over the weekend, 18 birdies and 18 pars. Did he really? <laughs> yeah. No bogeys. <laughs> That's incredible. Impressive. There were three uh, British Open spots up for grab as well. So he got one, David Puig, and then Korean Jung Hong Wang. So Wang yeah. is in there. Wang, Wang made an appearance. <laughs> Thai golfer Denwit 
Bori Bunsub, he got the third open spot. So Are you sure that's how you say his last name? Bori Bunsub, that is okay. exactly Good. how you say it. Right. Uh, on the Aussie front, we had Kevin Yuan in fifth, Dean Lawson. Tied for seventh, Pretty. nice result. And Travis Smythe finished really well. Tied for ninth, Maverick and Cliff mm. tied for 22nd, along with my buddy in the US, Austin Troslow. Mm. So shout out to you, Austin. He's uh, coming back after some injuries. We always do this podcast from Australian Golf Headquarters. And we're always very thankful to the people here at the PGA and Golf Australia. And Dean Lawson was in last week. It was nice to see him. He was. Telling yeah. us about that he was about to go up. So yes, with he, was, he was confident, mm-hmm. was he? Yeah, he and Ellie. Uh, he yeah. was really confident about playing well this week. And so, he did. Yeah, and he did. Good start yeah. for him on the Asian tour. Uh, in the ladies European tour, they were playing the Aramco Saudis Saudis Ladies International. Okay. Okay. Brandel Chambly, did he get up and uh, do a song and dance about yeah. Aramco when I, the girls are playing or is that off limits hey, for Brandel? No idea. Right anyway, yeah. Patty Tavatanikat uh, who is a member actually at my old club over in there in Florida at Isleworth. She went really? wire to wire, seven shot win, shooting 65 to defeat Germany's Esther Heinzelet. So mm-hmm. a great win for Patty. It's been a little while since she's won. Uh, Steph Kuriaku tied for 14th. Kirsten Rudgley, 42nd. And Grace Kim tied for 50th. Now, on the Champions Tour, we had the Chubb Classic in Naples, Florida. And the final round was actually washed out. You know what they were going to do, Mark? They were going to make the final round. Get this. Nine holes. So... You know what that would have been? It would have been a half chub. <laughs> you got it. Yeah, I, I mean, really? That's where we've got to really? on this podcast. Really? Yeah. That's where Nick, you're going to go. You're such a child, Nick. I tell you what, you, you started Goodness it. Goodness me. Anyway, I've never heard of a final round playing nine holes. No. Isn't that bizarre? But now, I imagine Because there was a big that... storm come in and it, right. it came in early and it washed out the final round anyway. So they're just trying to get some sort of result. So it would have been a 45-holer. So what? I think that's... Something anyway. It's a. How would they do it? I don't know. I don't know why they. How would they? Can they get go nine? I mean, can you have a shotgun start with enough? Like you'd only have nine groups, twenty-seven players. I mean, no, no, no. How would they do it? Uh, First group off at six a.m. and well, they were just going to go seven fifteen through to eleven o'clock or something, and just put the full field through for nine holes. I thought, well, if that's the case, why don't they just do do you you draw draw. three balls anyway? But anyway, Stephen Ames ended up winning by three from uh, sorry Rocco Mediate. Yep, Uh, Stephen. In typical uh, Stephen fashion, and and he's a confident yeah, yes, man. Okay, and you yes. remember the whole Tiger thing, yes. the nine and eight, right? It's one of the beautiful things yeah. in sport when he got rolled by Tiger. <laughs> but Stephen is flushing, and he is an absolute flush of this guy. But they did say to him afterwards, Shamer got cancelled, and uh, he said, "Yeah, it was a shame because I, you know, I felt like I could have won by five or six. Yeah. <laughs> what he said. So well done, Stephen. Anyway, Mark Hensby had a good week, tied for third. Good on you, Mark. Uh, Richard Green tied seven. Rod Pampling. Tied 10th, and David Branson and Steve Allen were playing in their first yeah. Champions Tour, so they and? were there. Uh, David finished 21st, and uh, Stevie Allen 53rd. So, Fantastic. Uh, good for them to uh, get the Champions Tour underway. And then here, obviously locally, we had the WebEx Players Series at Hunter Valley, where Daniel Gale uh, and Phoenix Campbell went at it the whole final mm. day, and then all of a sudden, we thought, hang on, here comes King Kazuma. Yeah. And he made a run, which was very impressive on that back nine. Didn't quite Six birdies in eight holes at yeah. one stage for Kazuma and, and was, what, uh, one or two back at that stage? Uh, he was. That chip in on 11 was unbelievable. From Outrageous. over the back, it was crazy downhill. So that was uh, a fantastic week. And uh, Daniel Gale, very unique golf swing. Certainly works for him. That's going to be part of my masterclass in a little bit as well. But he moves up to number four in the order of merit. You're yeah. doing a masterclass on Daniel Gale's swing. And uh, Hideki Matsuyama's. There's some similarities. I mean, I know it doesn't sound like it. Well, but I'm looking forward to yeah, this masterclass. Be a, it'll be an interesting one. Yeah, it'll be, be an interesting one anyway. Um, but he moves up to number four on the Auto America. Remember, we got the three DP yep. World Tour cards there. So in the All Abilities as well in that tournament, Garth Allen, we had a new winner. Uh, he beat uh, Wayne Persky by a two. Good. So that was great to see uh, we got a new champion there. And in the juniors, Zoe Arcus defeated Jesse Linden in a playoff. So uh, well done to everybody. Very, very good there at Hunter Valley. And to get that tournament in was very, very yeah. impressive. Well done so, to the ground staff up there. Just Unreal yep. how you got it done. And the PGA as well for organising yes. everyone to get that tournament going. 34 holes for the leaders' final day. That was a pretty yeah. uh, pretty long day. But uh, i tell you what, this Phoenix Campbell as well, I was really impressed. Mm. Hadn't seen him play. He'd won the Queensland PGA before the Christmas. We only really saw him hit one, one shot. One shot. But he can play and he can move the ball. And the other thing I noticed, 
Daniel Gale has more clubhead speed than the other two that he was playing with. Yeah. That's saying something. Tim yeah. Hard and Phoenix Campbell. He moves it. You should see Daniel Gale with his shirt off. I mean, they, they did a little package with Daniel and he 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 uh, did a before and after. Mm. Uh, it was one year in the gym and he went from being normal looking dude yeah. to as cut Ripped. as a boxer. Wow. Okay. Just incredible. All so, right. Well, that's our ping global results for this week. All right. Want some feedback, guys? Yes, we do. Okay, first bit of feedback is some live feedback, guys. Patrick wrote in, and he wants to mention something about Tiger Woods, and he's got some book suggestions for you. Right, I like that. Yeah, Beautiful. Yeah. So I love book suggestions. So let's give him a call and uh, and have a chat to him. Patrick is his name. While you're using your Nokia to get Patrick on, <laughs> Peter Thompson's book. You won't have a read of it. It's yeah. almost as good as yours, Nick. Almost. Almost. Hello, this is Patrick. Hey, Patrick, it's Mark Allen and Nick O'Hearn from Talk Birdie to Me. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Patrick, great to chat with you. Love, love the podcast. Hope you guys are having a great golfing week. Yeah, we are. A couple of weeks ago, you had a fabulous segment about dodgy, uh, I think, people taking dodgy drops. Yes, yes. Patrick Reid got a got a run. Um, I think he should have his own, his 10 <laughs> dodgy segment all to himself. <laughs> we've, we've been kicking that around. I mean, what a, what a, what a rep. We've been kicking that around, Patrick, oh. whether or not to do a Patrick Reid top five of some kind. Oh, you could make it a top ten. You know, the shame of all that is he's a really good player. Beautiful hands, all of that, and he's got to go th- go through all this nonsense. He certainly is. I played with him a couple of times in the US when he – and you know how he got his status on tour was uh, he Monday qualified into tournaments. Is that right? Top ten and just kept doing that, and that's how he got his PGA Tour cards. I didn't know that. I've played with him and a wonderful golfer. I'll say that. He's a wonderful golfer. <laughs> yeah, very, very diplomatic, Nick. I would expect nothing less. That's excellent. All right. Well, while we're on the subject of dodgy drops, um, yeah. Tiger Woods. You you mentioned his one at the Masters a few years ago. Yeah. Uh, where he he basically took an incorrect drop after hitting into the water on was it fifteen? Fifteen. Yeah, I think it was. Yep. yep. Okay. Well, he's. I mean, he, this guy is not. You know, he's a serial offender. Um, you may recall that at TPC Sawgrass a few years ago, or a few years, 10, 10, 12 years ago, he's playing the 14th, and there's water all the way down the left, but the hazard line swings around in front of the tee. Yeah. Now, that's that's where the ball, uh, I reckon, and the TV commentator said, that's where the ball originally crossed the line of the hedge, mar- margin of the hazard, as it was in those days. Yeah. That- and he ended up taking his, his drop 280 yards up on the left and probably made a bogey. Yeah, that was spoken about at a high level. Right around the world, that one. I Patrick. remember that. Yep. Yeah. Oh, so, that was terrible. And, and then another another one was a favourite of mine. Remember at Firestone when they were playing, well, it wasn't the World Series of Golf, might have been a WGC event. Yeah. Beautiful, great, great, great golf course. He hits his approach onto 18 long onto the clubhouse roof. And about 20 long, lonely minutes later, a waiter emerges with a golf ball on a tray. Uh, you know, it was allegedly Tigers. He gets a free drop with all that. POI stuff and makes a bogey. Thing of it is, his five minutes looking at long ago expired. And yeah, in my opinion, it's a shame. Shame on on playing partner Davis Love for not saying a word. <laughs> I remember that one. I think I might have been there and I saw his ball go and I thought, "Here, kid, run off with that." Will you? <laughs> <laughs> I remember. I, I remember it too because the very next year the clubhouse was out of bounds. What a surprise! Yeah. So it wasn't out of bounds that year, but the very following year the clubhouse was well and truly out of bounds. Oh. Hey, Patrick, before you go, you had a couple of books you wanted to recommend for the boys. I did actually. Um, I think one of it might have been Mark, might have been one of you, um, fine gentleman, uh, suggested John Feinstein's A Good Walk Spoiled. Mm-hmm. Um, that book is a bit over 30 years old now. It is still a good read. Yeah, that was one of my favourites. Brilliant book. It was what, what I would call my first proper golf book. Okay. And what about this other one you've got here, The Second Life of Tiger Woods? I haven't even heard of that one. Oh, Mike, Michael Bamberger, who's, who's a wonderful writer and he's. You know, he is a wonderful writer. The Second Life of Tiger Woods came out, I'm going to say, two years ago. That 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 is a lot of fun. It um, it talks about you know, I could say the real Tiger Woods, but you know, Tiger could be wonderful player, Hall of Famer, all of that stuff. But you know, not the perhaps not the nicest human being. And then another favourite of mine, the last one, is something called the a book called The Eternal Summer, as uh, written by a bloke called um, Kurt Sampson. And it, it deals with the season of 1960 where you had Arnold Palmer on the rise. You had Jack Nicholas just coming out. He was a 20-year-old then. 
and you had Ben Hogan. Most of it set around the 1960 US Open at Cherry Hills. What, what's that one called again? Et- the Eternal Summer. The Eternal Summer. Wow. Sounds fantastic. Yeah. Hey, Patrick, thanks so much uh, for giving us a call. Uh, we, we appreciate it, and thanks for enjoying our podcast as well. Thanks, Patrick. Fabulous. It's recommended. Thanks, guys. All right, let's get some more feedback here. Uh, now, I'm going to bang through this fast because we have had a lot of feedback. Really? Lots yeah. and lots and lots. So this week we posed a question on socials about some stunning hidden gem golf courses that uh, maybe aren't the ones that are the real big name ones that we naturally think of, but some of those little hidden gems around around the country. Glenn Paul has written in and said, I love playing Kalgoorlie. Everyone should play it at least once. WA has lots and lots of hidden gems. Okay. Certainly do. Yeah. Have you played Kalgoorlie, Nick? I haven't. No, that's where they have the WAPGA each year, and it looks stunning on on the TV. looks fantastic Mm. on the telly. Pop Bunker has said, Pink Lake at Esperance WA is stunning. If only the club had a few more bucks to polish what is a bit of a rough diamond. Yes, I think I've won the Pink Lake Pro-Am, by the way, no, many, many years no ago. Surprise. <laughs> Tony Warboys has said, Duntry League in Orange is mint. Which one? What's it called? Duntry du- League. Duntry League, he's written here. Okay, never heard of that one. No, no. don't know it. B Mastered reckons Alice Springs Golf Club in uh, Desert Springs yeah. is, is incredible. Yeah, Peter Thompson design, and apparently it is a belter. Wow, mm. okay. Willow's written in, Lord Howe Island's pretty amazing, and he sent a photo, so it looks actually really hmm. impressive. Lord Howe Island, Lord okay, Howe. yeah. Gosh. Uh, Carlos has said Port Ferry is the best in regional Victoria. It's a big claim, but it's a, it's a great-looking course. I haven't played it yet, but I hear good things. Yeah, Port Ferry's quite good. Hmm. It's quite good, uh, but uh, Port Arlington's where we're going to be very busy this okay. week. <laughs> and the final one on that particular topic from Daryl Lynch, who said, Meadow Springs south of Perth, Winds through the bush, and you hardly see any other golfers when you're playing on the course. Yeah, yeah, you hardly see a golf ball after you hit it as well. So. Is that right? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. You can lose a few out there. It's actually a wonderful. I think it's Graham Marsh design. Yeah. Speaking I, of which, I, I played a uh, PGA, a WA PGA there. I reckon a million years oh, ago. Right, okay. At, uh, what's it called again? Something Meadow. Meadow Springs. Yeah, that one. Yeah, correct. They used to have W Opens and things. Yeah. Speaking of Graham Marsh, we should get him on. I'm yes. going to get. Oh, I'm, don't, don't <laughs> do this to us. Oh, I will. The list I'm, is getting long. No, I'm going to get him on for a bonus pod because he's going to be a ripper to talk yeah, okay. to. I reckon you said you're going to do it before, Mark, and you haven't followed through. <laughs> no, you're exactly right. I yeah. apologise. Question from Damien for you boys. I still can't get my head around bounce. I have a 52 and a 56, and they play fine, but I've got no idea about the bounce of them. Okay, so uh, bounce on the sand iron. It's like a rudder to a boat, to where. The rudder will move the boat one way or the other. And what the bounce is designed to do is to get the sand iron so it won't dig into the ground. And the angle of the sole is designed so instead of digging, it's going to bounce. And some players like a lot of bounce and some players like a little bit of bounce. And your PGA professional at pga.org.au will be able to help you um, look at that uh, much more closely. Okay, I'm a little confused about the boat reference, though, now with the rudder. How does, how does, how does that have anything to do well, with the bounce? because if the rudder was down like this, it would okay. dig into the ground. But the rudder is that way, so it bounces okay. like that. You get Bang. that, Dan? Okay. Oh, yeah, I sort of, I'm just worried about the desk that <laughs> yeah, Do you know who invented belt, by the way? The inventor of no. bounce on a sand nine? Not Gene Sarazen. Gene Sarazen, well no. done. There you go. Yep. Got a question for Nick here from Dodsey. Nick. When is a hole-in-one not a hole-in-one? For example, do you count practice rounds if you hit a hole-in-one? What about if you're on your own, you're on a par three, you tee up three balls, and the third one goes in? (laughs) Is that a hole-in-one or doesn't it count? No, that's a five. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's a five. It's a a good good double. In fact, (laughs) I want to ask you a question. If you're playing by yourself and you knock it in, is that a hole-in-one? No. I'm with you. It's no. not a hole in one. Need evidence. You need people to see it. Yeah, you've got to yep. be doing it at the very least. Yep. You've got to be playing with somebody. That's the whole, that that has to be part of your hole in one. Mm. Has to be. I reckon if you hit a hole in one and you're playing by yourself, you actually could never ever tell anyone because no one would believe you. You know, David Schwartz never played by himself before he had his first hole. He wouldn't play by himself in case he had a hole in one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he's got a couple now, doesn't he? He's got two now. Yeah, yeah, well, his first one made the news. That's how he was going. Really? Oh, wow. Ridiculous. Gosh. Now, I've got someone who's not happy here. Timmy. He's unhappy. Why? A whack? Well, no, it's not. Well, it sort of is, but not at us. Okay. Not Tim from Tim Booning. No, it? no, no. This is from Timmy. Hi, Nick and Marco. I love the podcast. Just reflecting on Wednesday golf. I work at a large bank head office four days a week. Wednesday's my day off. And I play golf at a private club in Melbourne. It's a men's comp day. 
and the biggest day of the week at our club. Work recently had a function where we were expected to attend on a Wednesday. Some people have no concept or respect of how important Wednesday comp day golf is. Mm. Yeah, that's disgusting by your workplace. And I'd I'd think of twice about going back. Move jobs. Seriously. Well, it is a bank. I mean, banks are... Oh, okay. Here's a question from Vince. Hey, guys, love the podcast. What are your thoughts on the pop putt? Can it work? Does anyone on the tour use it? Yeah, Seneca does. Mm. Uh, Would you call Tom Watson a pop putter? Back in the day, sort of. Mm. Sort of a bit popish. I reckon Gary Player had a pop stroke, but he had no follow-through, so he was kind of forced to pop. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I think Stenic is the, the best example yeah. of a pop putter. Um, I think it works better on slower greens. I wouldn't be doing pop putting mm. on quick greens no, or Australian speed greens. It's definitely not something I'd recommend for people to do out there because it's yeah. very hard to get the speed right. And the thing about Brandt is he obviously yeah. practices it so much. And That's I played right. with him in the final round at Hilton Head one year where he just holed everything and he, and he ended up winning the golf tournament. Uh, shot 65, I think. So it certainly worked that day. But he does everything in his golf game very fast. His swing's fast, his chipping action's fast, and his putting stroke sort of follows that. So it works for him, but I wouldn't recommend it for anyone out there. Yep. Now, we're always happy to read positive feedback on the show, but on Talk Birdie to me, if someone gives us a whack, we're happy to cop it. Okay. Whether they're right, whether they're wrong. You seem more happy than anybody else. No, no, no. John Perryman <laughs> has written in, Hey, guys, just listen to this week's episode, and it had me again asking the question, when you do your best ofs, I assume you are aware there are golf courses west of Broken Hill. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's being a little harsh, but I'm happy to give him the, you know, yeah. the obviously the, uh, the 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 airtime. Uh-huh. There. We can do a we can do a, a top five uh, best mm. courses uh, on the other side of Broken Hill. That's very easy. So uh, I've got Royal Adelaide and Kuyonga. Okay. Are in there, and well, I, uh, I think I replied to this on Twitter because I said, yeah. where's, "Where's Broken Hill?" Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got help. You no, got right, Lake so, Karen up sorry. in there. Yeah, of course. All right, so we got Lake Karen up, Kuyonga, Royal Adelaide, Royal Adelaide. Um, what's that? Like something Kennedy? I love oh, that golf course. Kennedy in, Bay, in, right Kennedy the way Bay. down south, Mount Lawley. Mount Lawley, oh, oh, I snuck that one. OCM in there. are redoing that, so yeah, can't wait to see the finished well, product. We'll think more closely and get back to you, sir. Okay, thank you, John. Uh, never say we aren't happy to have a, a bit of a whack when uh, mm. when uh, you think there's need for it. Mm-hmm. And a final couple of comments here. These are really, really good. I love these ones. Tim's written in and said, "My first experience this week at the Golf Clearance Outlet in WA. I went to buy a cart bag to donate to the Bustleton Hospice Golf Day." And they gave me a huge discount to support the event. Brilliant. And by the way, Marco, I bought one of the Cabretta leather gloves as well. Oh, fantastic. $13. They're the best. Absolute ripper. And this one as well from 4SA01. I booked in for a ping club fitting next Saturday. Yeah. And I can't wait. He's going to have a ball. He will have a great time. It is very interesting when you get fitted. Um, I'm doing this thing at the moment called uh, Titleist University, would you believe? It's a course that they send out. Okay. Uh, Because I do a bit of work for Titleist. And one of the things in there um, which I learnt and I didn't know is that the golf ball uh, best sits on the green when it's coming down on an angle of 44 degrees or 45 degrees. Yeah, whatever it was. 44 is in my head for some reason. So that's why a lot of the professionals have got five woods in their golf bags because the hybrid doesn't come down at that 45-degree angle. That was going to be my next question. Which club is best suited to getting yeah. that angle? So a lot of the best players, um, uh, you know, they are paying attention to what you are getting as a service when you go and get fitted at Ping or anywhere else. Uh, but it's... Uh, it's interesting, and that's why, again, um, a lot of players, you'll learn a lot. You know, the current bag that you've got, I would listen very, very closely to these fitters because mm. uh, it's not their opinion. It is based on fact. Well, speaking of the best, uh, we're about to uh, do the masterclass, which mm. I'm very much looking forward to. Now. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, How are you going to compare it's, Daniel Gale's it, swing to Hideki Masayama's swing? It's got Mark really thinking here, okay? There's, <laughs> there's one thing they have in common, which I love, and the thing about... Hideki Matsuyama, what he was most known for in his golf swing was... The pause. The pause. Okay, now that pause is really no longer there. What it's what it's now there is it just slows down slightly at the top. Mm. And it, was it a real pause? I don't know. But it had really to do with the transition in the golf swing. If you can take your time at the top of the golf swing, that's really important. That transition mm. from the back swing to the through swing, I call it the through swing, not the down swing. Yep. And if you watch Daniel Gale's golf swing... 
it was very interesting to watch at Hunter Valley last week. He has his own unique style. He actually stands up when he takes the club yep. away. His left elbow is very bent on the way back. He right goes, angle. Yeah. It's a right angle. He I've goes, never seen anything like it. He goes around himself as well. It's it's a very unusual action. But what he does as he reaches the top of the backswing is he just slows it down and he almost has a Hideki-like pause. Yeah. Again, it's not a pause for Hideki, but for Gale and Matsuyama. If you watch both of those guys, they really take their time at the top of the backswing. And that's really important, I think, uh, for everyone out there. A great drill that I always used to do was an actual pause. I would get to the top of my backswing and count one, two, and then start the downswing. So what they're doing is it really helps sequence that first move on the way down. And for most people, what you want to do on the way down is use your lower half first, whereas for a lot of golfers, what they tend to do is throw their upper half at it. They really throw the shoulders and the arms going first. So I think this is a great drill for people. I'll put it on the socials where you actually stop at the top and you kind of wait there one, two, and then you start that downswing or the through swing, and it sequences up your mm. golf swing really well. But Matsuyama and Gale do this very, very well, yep. and I don't see too many other players do it as well. And the other thing that's actually helped Daniel Gale and Matsuyama, they've both spoken about this, is it actually creates more speed in their swing. I was really impressed yeah. with Gale how much ball speed he was getting off. The other thing you noticed was his left foot goes out sideways when yeah. he gets driver, and he just goes hard yeah. at it. And he talks a lot about... His golf swing is very unique. He doesn't really care what it looks like, and it's all for him about impact. And that's the most important mm. position at the end of the day in a golf swing. So anyway, I'll very post good. something a bit later. Uh, and don't forget about uh, our very own Wayne Grady. Yes. Won a major uh, with a big pause. Roger Mackay. Roger Mackay the was a great. superstar. Yeah. Had a big pause as well. Now, don't forget, uh, I'll be shooting 65 at Port Arlington. <laughs> oh. Nick uh, oh. reckons he's going to shoot par with nine clubs, which is probably better than my 65. Uh, and look out for our bonus pod coming out on Thursday with Matt Austin from Ping. It's going to be a ripper. Beauty, guys. Catch you next time. Thanks for being part of Talk Birdie to me with Nick O'Hearn and Mark Allen. And if you want to be part of the show, drop us a message or comment on the socials. Or you can send an email or leave a voicemail at talkbirdietome.com.au. Thanks to the great team at Ping. They're the best in the business and they'll help you play your best. And the Golf Clearance Outlet. If you're after top quality at prices you won't beat, check them out. Golfclearanceoutlet.com.au. Talk Birdie to me's executive producer is Dan Bradley at Kaizen Media. Sound design, Daryl Misson at loudzebra.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.